Welcome to Tip Talks, the talk before the talk. I'm here with Tim, Ryan, and myself, Marie-France, here illuminating the main stage speaker, Erica M., for the third and virtual edition of the event. All right. I think we all know Erica, but let's uh, jump into her bio. With 30 years of speaking under her belt, including her 12 years as a well-known VJ on Much Music, and her other more recent accomplishments include founder of a niche publishing brand, ymc.ca, that connects brands to mothers, and a digital agency, M&Co, where Erica has deep experience creating content, community, and connections. Under her leadership, her companies have earned numerous prestigious marketing and publishing awards. Her session, Reinvention, How to Be a Step Ahead in a Changing World, can be caught at the event on Friday, April 16th at 9.15. So without further ado, please welcome Erica M. I freaking love being on stage. Okay. Uh, I yeah. love it. Even just being on this podcast, I get a bit of a thrill because yeah. I get to talk about speaking. Right. Which is in a way of speaking. Yeah. I guess I'm speaking yeah. in a way. <laughs> in our previous episode with Peter Katz, it was kind of cool because we agree and he's a musician and you know, fantastic artist. And the only one tip that I thought was really cool out of all of that when he was talking about um, speaking now virtually through Zoom, he's like, I can get up close and inter- personal with everybody by just doing eye movements and talking to mm-hmm. the screen. And, right. But still, I'm like an in-person. I'd like to be back on stage. And, and well, well, we're for in all events, people, yeah, we miss each other. We'd like to be back face to face. I also I feel like the virtual, you're right, they can see my face really well. But mm. if I'm speaking to a lot of people, yeah. Yeah. I can't see everybody because the technology is not such that we can see a lot of people at the same time. Mm-hmm. And when I speak, I speak right to people. I yeah. look mm-hmm. into the audience and I catch people's eyes mm-hmm. and yeah. I can see the light go on. I can see them connecting. I can see when people mm-hmm. are bored. I can hear people coughing. Mm-hmm. When it, not that they ever cough in my talks, <laughs> but if you know, I know how to You're read out. a room. I know how to read a room. Yeah. And when you're doing a virtual talk, when everybody's mics are off and cameras are off, you can't. Was that something innate that you had or did you develop that over the years? Because the three of us, we did a, a talk last year in front of 3,000 people at the WEC. Two years ago now. Two, two years ago, sorry. Um, and for <laughs> us, it, you know, the, the lights are shining bright for amateur speakers it was great that we couldn't see the audience so how do you (laughs) how do you transition from that to actually embracing that and and you know getting a kick out of seeing people's reaction i'm only on stage in order to connect i'm nothing without the audience Mm -hmm. so it is it is a powerful thing to be on stage to have a story to have something that you really want to impart and watch your audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Have you had a virtual talk yet where you've just had everybody break into some clapping and, you know, just like hooting and hollering or uh, you get that virtually? No, because it's quiet. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have the same gratitude. That yeah. feedback. No, sometimes you, you get it in the chat, mm. but I can't look at the chat while I'm no, talking. Right. No, That's right. like, mm-hmm. because you're so in your head and you're making contact with the camera. 
So let's let's go back. I mean, we share one thing in common and that we're we're both podcast hosts. So let's go back. And because I believe you started at the start of COVID, correct? Yes. So yes. like us, we we didn't we accidentally started at the beginning of COVID because we were ready to go in January, February. We said, mm-hmm. let's launch this. And then COVID hit and we're like, do we delay it? Do we keep going? But I believe yeah. you recognize COVID and then you started up the podcast. I was dying inside from boredom and lack of <laughs> connection. Over the years, people have been telling me to do a podcast because I know how to interview. I've got a good voice. I do voiceovers, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I, I didn't want to do the same old, same old. And what people told me, when you're going to launch podcast, it makes sense for you to do something that no one else can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is the story that only you can tell? And so for me, I was thinking, well, what separates me from everybody else is that I was one of the very first people on Much Music. I watched Much Music come to life and I watched it come alive and I watched it slowly die. (laughs) And I maintained relationships with a lot of the people who worked there. Combine that with a passion for reinvention. That's really important to me. I love watching people evolve. I love watching people have really hard times and then come out the other end. And I thought, you know what? All of us on Much Music were stars in Canada. Mm -hmm. We were at the top of our game and then each of us left much. Some of us at the height of our popularity, Mm -hmm. some of us when things were really bad, but everybody had to reinvent. And I thought that would be a really interesting conversation to understand how similar their experiences were to mine. Mm -hmm. And then did they find that much music defined them, which it has for me. It's the kind of thing where people go, hey, Eric, oh my God, I loved you on much music. Yeah, that was 35 years ago. And I've won about 32 awards and put out five books, I'm making that up, but you know, I've done so much since then, but it kind of overpowers everything. And that's not a bad thing. It means I did a really great job back then, but I was curious, my colleagues, did they have the same experience? Did Mm -hmm. much music define them or were they able to override that time in their life and redefine who they are? Well, you just killed my next question, Erica, because I know- (laughs) You're welcome. Because I I know for those of us a certain age, certain generation, and I'm not saying whether I'm part of that or not, but the name Erica Anna is synonymous with much music. But mm-hmm. you've done so much since then, and and had so many accolades and so many wins since then. So is that is that a blessing or a curse that that those two go hand in hand? Well, it's sort of dialectical. It's both. It's yeah. been an amazing gift, and it's been a huge challenge for people to pre-determine um, who I might be based on the young woman that I was yeah. talking only about music videos. How can you right. decide who someone is when they were only hired to speak about something very limited? Do you and, think it's similar to, sorry to cut you off, but like an actor that has a big movie young in their career and they're typecast into that mm-hmm. certain role, right? Mm-hmm. And it's hard to break out of that. Of course. Yeah. But I have broken out of it. Yeah. And in fact, it works to my favor because people go, wow, you're more than what I thought you were. 
Right. <laughs> My mom used to say to people when they were like, oh, your daughter looks like such a party animal on much music, which is so <laughs> funny because I am, I hate going out, but, um, <laughs> Sorry, he's my buddy. Um, my mom used to say to them, ask her what book she's reading. Right. Because mm. people, you know, you don't know who the person is behind the screen. Even people who speak in the yeah. world of speaking and events, they come on strong, they tell you incredible things, but who knows if they really walk the talk, right? Right. Yeah. So what books were those? What, what books were you reading? Oh my God. I actually started a book show. I don't know if you're, if, I don't know if you're young enough to remember, <laughs> but I had a show uh, on Much Music. It was called Between the Covers. Okay. And I would interview every celebrity who would come into Much Music for just a really quick little clip. Baseball stars, uh, actors, musicians, anybody with a name and say, hey, what are you reading? Then I would edit those little clips and it would be little interstitials that would run between videos. Mm. And I would uh, put all that, uh, all those titles together and send out literally a list to anyone who wanted. People could mail in and say, put me on your between the, the covers book list. And mm. I would photocopy pages of all the stars and what their favorite books were. So I was sort of mm. doing my own thing, being sort of nerdish even yeah. back then. Yeah. So was that pre-Oprah or, or post-Oprah? <laughs> the book club, you mean? That was, that was way before Oprah. You said earlier, you know, you love the live and that's I mean, obviously your, your passion. But I guess earlier parts in your career, you were doing more recording. I went from being someone who just realized their dream of interviewing rock stars mm -hmm. to realizing the dream of becoming a very successful entrepreneur. Right. But there are some consistencies along the way, things that... I draw upon to help me succeed. So I've always been in front of an audience, for example, in, I don't know what year, I think it was probably 1992. I flew on a private plane from Toronto to Newfoundland with Spinal Tap, landed <laughs> at Kitty Vitty Park and hosted Canada Day with like thousands of people. Was that the year Spinal Tap traveled across the country? Yes. Oh, you so are. I old. saw them in Barrie that same day. Yes, I was there. <laughs> the same day. We traveled. There we go. We traveled. We started in Newfoundland. Yeah. Stopped in Barrie and then ended up in Vancouver right. all in one day. Can't cool. We've got the event coming up here in a couple of weeks, and this is a, a pre-show for the event. What uh, For those attending, what can they look forward to in your talk without giving it all away? Well, I'm not going to give it away, but what I, yeah. will <laughs> what I will tell you is that my assumption is I'm going to be speaking to a room that's been hard hit over the year, Big as have yeah. I. We're, both, we're at opposite ends of the same coin to some right. degree. So I'm going to share some of the things that I've done over the past year to help get through COVID and also strategies to survive in a world where innovation is essential. I mean, yeah. it's been fascinating, don't you think, looking at how the world has changed so quickly in one year. Yep. Oh, yeah. Fast track. On one hand, it's terrible, yeah. right? It's been decimated in many ways. But we now have how many vaccines? I think there's six or seven vaccines, yeah. which have been created in 
yeah. record time. It's actually a miracle that we have a vaccine. The quickest that a vaccine was ever made, I think was four years for the mumps. Right, we have yeah. seven of them to make sure that you do not die from this disease. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. it's insane. So I'm gonna talk about how they did that and how others have innovated, how the pandemic has forced innovation. But I think that we all need to remember that we do not need a pandemic to innovate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And businesses that are not innovating and growing are businesses that are dying. Yeah. And people who are not reinventing all the time mm -hmm. are people who are not being invigorated and and uh, challenging themselves. Mm -hmm. And when I say reinventing, I don't mean going to a different career necessarily. It just mm -hmm. means adding things to your repertoire, which is what we've all been forced to do this year. Mm -hmm. Again, now you, we all are forced to uh, do this online thing. But in a year or two years, when the world normalizes again, you and I will have the option of using technology in a whole different way. So yeah. in fact, the world of speaking will be better mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. of this, absolutely. But it was really, really hard. For some, okay. some industries like the meetings and events industries, you know, we were status quo for decades and decades. Mm -hmm. and, yes. and, you know, short term, this has been painful, but I've said from the start 10 years from now, when we look back at this period, we're going to be able to pinpoint many innovations that have Absolutely. driven the industry forward. But well, and, you're right, that that is a, a great point that we don't need a pandemic for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's hard. Change is hard. Mm -hmm. And people are complacent and lazy. Let's face yeah. it. It's easier to do the same thing over and over again. I get it. I'm the same. Um, but it's important to remember that if you want to stay relevant in a changing world, you need to up your game all the time. Uh, a friend of mine, Amber Mack said, I think she was quoting someone else, but I'll say like, the world has never moved this quickly before yeah. and it will never be so slow again. Yeah, well, Amber, Amber Mack is Mack, actually yeah. a, a fellow alum of the event. She was yeah, a speaker in year one. year one, yeah, that's yep. right. I do she love had a great her. talk, yeah, she Amazing. had an awesome talk. She's a good friend of mine. Yeah, I will say, I think the uh, the executives at Blockbuster will actually be happy that COVID has now replaced the story of innovation, <laughs> placed them, because for the longest time you heard about Blockbuster didn't innovate and, and then Netflix, blah, blah, blah. Now COVID will yeah. take over, so Blockbuster gets a rest. True, true. So maybe, and you might touch on a bit of your talk, but we have a segment we like to call uh, temporary or transformational. What's it gonna be? T -T? And... We, I was wondering from your perspective, what have you observed maybe in the workforce in general, or maybe specifically in this past year that you might judge to be temporary or transformational? Oh, the, absolutely. It's the working from home yeah. is brilliant. And I'll say that because <laughs> yeah. all I cared about was that at the end of the day, the work was done. No one had to like, tell me when they were working. And I could not understand why so many businesses force people to drive through traffic, pay for parking and gas, and sit in a cubicle when we all have computers now that are mm -hmm. fully capable of connecting with other computers. We had the technology before and 
I don't know, I guess people are afraid of change or, That's exactly it. or um, I would say also that a lot of industries or companies didn't trust their employees. Mm-hmm. They, they thought that you need to see them in order to make sure the work was being done, which I think is completely yeah. insulting. And I knew the opposite, the people that I hired, they exceeded my expectations because I gave them freedom to mm-hmm. work on their own terms. So I think that that is one of the best things to come. People now don't have to live in cities. They can go live somewhere a little mm. more rural. So it's going to yeah. spread out in terms of just traffic and yeah, congestion. Yeah. It's going to make our cities a little more livable, hopefully, make people's mm-hmm. lives more, a little more livable. It's going to save money for companies because they're going to shrink their office space. It also completely opens up the doors for cities to go more green and add more green space downtown and take Mm -hmm. away some of this office space. Like it will transform cities. Just imagine you were building a brand new city right now, how different it would look than say Montreal or Ottawa, Niagara, Toronto. It would be kind of neat to see a city of the future. I'd love to see what that looks like. Don't you get excited? Yeah. I mean, I felt really weird when we were in lockdown and I got giddy when I saw on LinkedIn that Dyson was going to stop making all their vacuums and they retrofitted their factories to make respirators and they yeah. did it in 10 days. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. I was like, you know, the, emo- uh, the emoji of head exploding. That was me. I was so <laughs> excited going, look at the innovation that is happening because they can, mm-hmm. yeah. well, we all can. You know, they say mother, what does it say? Uh, Mother of reinvention. Necessity is the mother of reinvention. That was the pandemic. Yeah. It it brought that to life for me. I will say for all our listeners that have uh, tuned into this episode, after you've gone through season one of the Illuminate Project, we have to hop on to your podcast, which is? Reinvention of the VJ. Okay. Uh, You can hear it wherever podcasts are. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Tip Talk with Eric M. You can also check out our other talks with Peter Katz and Sarah McVannell, other event main stage speakers. If you want to hear more about this podcast and tip talks, come join us for our session on Friday, April 16th at the event.